Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Tim Schmidt with Florida Georgia Radio. You're listening live as we're leading up to game time on Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Uh, we are actually live from the Jacksonville.com Florida Times Union newsroom, which is right in the heart of downtown Jacksonville on what has turned out to be a great day. Chilly, but nice. Um, and I'm joined by longtime sports reporter for the Florida Times Union, Gary Smith. How you doing, Gary? Doing pretty good. Yeah, this is fun. So I've never done this before. This is this is one of the one of the most fun weeks around here, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it's. I, I would say that you know it's there's there are certain things in a, in a in a certain city area county that are kind of uh, signify mm-hmm. the seasons. Sure. Signify the seasons. And, and the people, Masters, which is one Masters, which you and I have, which is a, have yeah, a right of together, spring. Right? It's been used frequently to that. Sure. The Players Championship now that's back in March. I know a lot of people in Jacksonville area the Jackson, are, are saying that they're glad it's back in March because to them that was a signal that the spring was here. Mm-hmm. In May, not, not so much. But the uh, Florida, Georgia to people is always a, a, a trigger because – they know that after Florida, Georgia, Thanksgiving, Christmas is right on right on the cusp. Uh, sure. Time to start thinking about Christmas shopping, getting your decorations <laughs> out, and mm-hmm. and they, they actually enjoy it for that reason. And uh, a lot of times, it's coincided with the first cool snap of the season, mm-hmm. which is what we're going through right now. We set a record for the high temperature on a Halloween yesterday. Crazy. Uh, it got into the upper 80s and, and 91 out of the airport and everything. And then today it's it's not going to bump. It's not going to get above 65 or yeah. so. Same thing for tomorrow. So perfect football. Although weather. I was just going to say, it feels like football weather. And yeah. that's a good thing. Now, how many of these have you covered? How, how long have you been around here? Well, I've been with the uh, the publishing company that's owned the Times Union, either Morris Communications or Gatehouse, uh, since 1981. Mm-hmm. Uh, different duties, things like that. I covered four Florida Georgia games in the 80s when I was at the St. Augustine Record, mm-hmm. and then another I, of our fine newspapers. Yeah, exactly. And when I came back, uh, I had uh, different duties: golf, Jaguars, uh, Florida State. Mm-hmm. I was over there, so I missed out on on Florida Georgia until. Maybe in the 2004-2005 range, and now I've probably covered the last 15 or 16 of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I'd forgotten how much... uh, uh, Fun it could be. It it has the atmosphere of a big-time bowl week uh, in this town. Not so much for the the players, because according to NCAA rules, they can't come to a a neutral site or an away site uh, more than 48 hours in advance. Right. So... They don't get the atmosphere and the feel and everything, but in Jacksonville, you know, for example, the RV City across the stadium opens up on Tuesday morning at eight o'clock, and it, it's something that even other neutral site games don't really have, to the best of my knowledge. And as you reserve a spot in Metropolitan Park across the street from the stadium, you bring your RV in there, and you're set for the week. And if you're fortunate enough to own an RV, <laughs> you know, then you don't have to worry about a hotel room, and you know, you bring your own food and. And it, every night's a party over there. They have an uh, RV decorating contest in the Florida and Georgia motif. Wow. Uh, people have been known to get married in the middle of RV City. Wow. Uh, I, I'm sure some marriages have been launched. Maybe maybe some divorces have been uh, – the seeds for that have been planted. 
and uh, and then the, the tailgating aspect of it is unlike uh, uh, any other game that that I'm aware of, right. which hence the nickname that the city of Jacksonville kind of sort of would like us to stop using get away from the sure. world's largest outdoor cocktail party, yeah. which was coined in the 1970s by a Florida Times Union sports editor named Bill Castells. Ah, so we have that going for us. That's right. I didn't know that. Yep. And uh, but it, there are estimates by the by the uh, police department that the crowd will be uh, in the 83,000, 84,000 range, but there are estimates that are another uh, twenty to 40,000 people who are in the parking lot, private parking lots around the stadium tailgating that don't even come into the game. Wow. There are people that will just buy a private parking spot, bring their car, bring their RV, bring their truck and everything, a generator, a TV, the grill, and they come just for the day and they watch the game That's on wild. TV out in their... Uh, out in, the, it, in their parking spot. So fun. And it really is such a great setting. It's right by the river. It's not it, mm-hmm. not downtown per se, but, you know, within walking distance, mm-hmm. just a 15-minute walk Many or so. Many do that, yeah. And I'm sure. I'm sure they do. Now, before we get to the actual history of the game, ta- you brought up RV Park, and, and I think that that is kind of a, of a unique thing. Do you think as, um, and we talked a little about this with Mark Woods, but as the landing here, and, and I'm asking for folks who are coming into town, let's say I'm from Athens and I, did, I haven't been here in you know two years and I'm expecting I'm going to pop, pop off at the landing here like I always have and that's where we're going to, all the fun will be. Instead, is RV Park really become the epicenter? There, I mean, that's well, that's, it's the epicenter if you have an RV. But <laughs> the city has made uh, 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 arrangements, and I think it's a, it's a it's a very good uh, situation because the landing is, as you just pointed out, is a, you know maybe a mile mile and a half walk from the stadium, and uh, they're having what they call the Bold City Bash, which they have blocked off. Uh, uh, a certain portion of the area in the A. Philip Randolph uh, Adam Street. For those familiar, uh, a better way to put it will be it's at the intersection where the baseball stadium is, right? Where the Jacksonville Jumbo Shrimp Double uh, A franchise for the Florida Marlins play, and uh, which is right across a shared parking lot with the football stadium. So uh, starting uh, maybe about now, <laughs> actually about <laughs> one o'clock, there's a, there's going to be a fan fest in the indoor practice facility that the Jaguars have uh, at 1 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, the block party or the Bold City Bash starts, and there's going to be food trucks and vendors, and and uh, there are about three or four uh, bars and restaurants in the area that I'm sure are going to be taking advantage of this. There's going to be a – at 6.30, there's going to be an exhibition baseball game between the University of Florida and the University of Georgia. Uh so there's a there's baseball out there after that after that's over a uh a country music concert with a couple of up and coming singers who are so up and coming the names are escaping me right now <laughs> but i'm assured by some of our younger country music fans around the office that this people is a big know deal who they are yeah All right. and uh and then there's going to be a fireworks display but there's going to be uh things going around in, in that block area and i think it's a better place to congregate than the landing because it is much closer to the stadium area. That's good. And th- that's an interesting thing that, that they're starting to add those bits and pieces. Obviously, they're being a little more mindful. You don't want folks necessarily walking a mile and a half before a big football game. But anyway, let's get to the game itself. You know, I, as I said, I've never been here for this week. I have actually been to both other sites, but never here for this game. 
tell me a little about the history. I mean, you've probably dug into this throughout the years. This thing's been played here every year, or there, there since been... 1933. Okay. Right. Uh, now they 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 rotated this uh, game uh, uh, quite a bit in the early years. Uh, it's been played at Macon, Georgia. It's been played uh, in Tampa. It's been played in Savannah. Just to give you an example. Interesting. It was played on the campuses sometimes, and uh, they. Uh, uh, oddly enough, the one place they've missed, they've never played it in Atlanta. Huh. Uh, I'm not quite sure how they missed that. But starting in <laughs> 1933, they decided to take it to Jacksonville on a, on a, an annual basis. The only time, the only exceptions to that have been in 94, 95, when Jacksonville got the Jaguars as an NFL franchise. The caveat was they had to completely, pretty much tear down the stadium and build it back up mm-hmm. again, which is a two-year process. So those two years, the game went to the campuses. Florida has Steve Spurrier. He has some of his best teams in. They won both games. Uh, Coach Spurrier made a big deal about uh, scoring 50 points between the hedges, which had never been done by an opponent. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he may have run some things and left some players in to assure that, mm-hmm. uh, knowing that he would never have to go back to Athens again. Sure. Uh, so uh, it made it pretty easy uh uh, for that, but anyway, ever since then, it's, it's been in Jacksonville every year. It's a neutral site game. There are two other examples of uh, fairly big college uh, robberies in neutral sites. Uh, every everybody has Oklahoma and Texas has played in Dallas, and Army Navy for the most part has played in Philadelphia. But they have rotated that game to other sites such as Baltimore, New York, Washington, in the past. So. Oklahoma, Texas, and Florida, Georgia are the only two that have truly stayed in the same site for an extended period of time. Uh, the neutrality of it, 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 you know, it depends on who's on top and who's on bottom of the sure. series. This has been a very streaky series. This does not go Florida wins one year, Georgia wins the next, Florida, Georgia, Florida, Georgia. This is – right now, Georgia's won the last two, and they've won five out of eight. Uh, everybody has famously the Seasburger won – 10 out of 11, I believe. Mm-hmm. Okay, Before that, Vince Dooley owned the series. There was one stretch where he won 10 out of 12. So it's always been very, very streaky. And once one team wins a couple in a row, they kind of seize, tend to seize control of it. And the team that's kind of on the, on the down end of that always starts making noise about, well, maybe we should take this to the campuses. Right, maybe sure. we should take this to Atlanta, to be fair, and rotate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say that if it ever does move from Jacksonville, there's a better chance of it going to the campuses than it is to Atlanta. another neutral site. Than it is to yeah. Atlanta because, first of all, Atlanta, uh, even the new stadium, has 73,000 capacity. There's there's not much difference between that and the old Georgia Dome. There is no uh, room to add the 8,000 seats or so that would bring it to the capacity it is now. Um, and Florida and Georgia boosters are not going to give up Four or five thousand tickets right. each. To this Good luck game. with that. They're just not going to do that. Right. The schools don't are not going to give up the revenue. The boosters are not going to want to give up tickets. So you can and and there is nowhere near the tailgating space around the Mercedes Benz Stadium in Atlanta uh, that there is here. Which and if anybody doesn't think that's an important aspect of this game, <laughs> then they're nuts. I can promise you one thing: wherever this game is played in the future, it will never be in Atlanta. It's just not going to happen. All you Georgia people 
sorry, that want this in Atlanta. You got a better chance of being in Athens. Right. The realistic possibility is is go Athens, Gainesville, Jacksonville, Athens, Gainesville, Jacksonville. Now, at some point, do you think that would enhance the rivalry or would it take away? Because what what makes this special, I think, is that people can kind of count on it, right? I mean, yeah. I, again, going back to the Oklahoma Texas, uh, that that's something that folks who are from each side will you know kind of harass each other and say, "Yeah, we'll see yeah. you at the state fair. We'll get you yeah. next year at the state fair." Mm-hmm. That's the same feeling with yeah. this. It, it Flor- makes it special. Yeah, Florida fans are never going to argue about this game being in Jacksonville. Right. That's not, the, the, issue, the issue was always from, from the George end. Sure. And they kind of claim, well, it's technically in the state of Florida. Of course, the joke around the rest of the state of Florida is that Jacksonville always been South Georgia anyway. <laughs> uh, and many, many, many big-time Georgia boosters either have retirement homes or summer homes in the Sea Island, Jekyll Island area, which is only about an hour north of here. Sure. And uh, those areas, by the way, benefit greatly from the economic impact of this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we speak right now, they're having one heck of a, they call it the, the beach party in St. Simon's Island. Nice. Uh, what am I doing here? I exactly should get there. What are we doing here? Because <laughs> there's a heck of a party going on in St. Simon's Island. Right. And uh, I think that there are Georgia fans with enough in, boosters with enough influence who enjoy that little vacation trip in St. Simon's and Jekyll Island that. Sure. This is that's not going to mess with it. This lines game. up, yeah. And they signed a contract, or not? They didn't sign a contract yet. There's an agreement of understanding. It's got to be approved by the Jacksonville City Council. But they announced the new terms uh, last uh, last week. It's here for another uh, uh, four years with an option for two more. All right. And the Jacksonville, the city of Jacksonville, just to show you how serious they are about this, the two teams split the ticket revenue, which is about three and a half million each. Mm-hmm. But the city had paid them two hundred fifty thousand each to come here. That's going to bump to one million each wow. starting next year for the next two years, and then in the last two years of the contract, it's going to be one point two five million. So Jacksonville, hearing some comments, especially from Georgia coach Kirby Smart, who claims that having this game puts at him at a recruiting disadvantage, right. which is ridiculous because Kirby is not having trouble. I was just going to say he's doing pretty well. He uh, claims that, that he, <laughs> a lot of five star recruits going up to Athens. He claims that he's he gets six home games to entertain recruits. Alabama and LSU get seven, yeah. and he's and Auburn, and he's at a disadvantage from the, from those teams. Uh, and forgetting for the moment that his main recruiting rival in the East is Florida, and Florida's only getting six games. Sure. And I would tell Kirby Smart that if you've got – first of all, if you're recruiting any kid in Florida, he's going to want to play in this game yeah. for either side. Okay? Absolutely. Plus, if you're recruiting any kid in Georgia, just tell the kid turn on the TV, look at that atmosphere, yeah. or maybe come down here one time and tell me that they, any kid wouldn't want to play. Right. In and, that and game. There, there probably is something to the fact that um, – making us think about this rewards the programs. I mean, I'm sure when Kirby Smart said that, he knew that Jacksonville wasn't just going to sit on its hands, that they were going to say, well, what can we do to help, right? I mean, or at least... The, Are you trying to tell me a football coach would take advantage <laughs> of the situation like that? <laughs> no I, way. Wow. No chance. Uh, so... Wait, the, real quick. Gary Smith's a sports columnist from the Florida Times Union sitting with us, and we so appreciate it because he's usually not here in the office on Friday, so we do appreciate it. But now I want to get to your best game that you've seen. And when you think back to some of the games that, that have been here under your watch, or, or I mean overall, but think about some of the games that, that stand out in your memory that you've covered or been at. Well, it's it, that, that's one of those things where it's difficult. There have been a lot of great ones. I, w- I would say that in, in 2010, the first 
and to date the only overtime game mm. in the history of this uh, Florida won 34-31 and uh, that was a you know just a, a great back and forth game uh, the last two have been a little bit one-sided sure. in in Georgia's uh, favor and before that Florida had a, a, a three-game winning streak in the series, and those weren't really uh, thirty-eight to twenty, twenty-seven to three, twenty-four to ten. Yeah. The 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 highlight of uh, the uh, thirty-eight to twenty game was was Florida's first touchdown was uh, by a uh, a walk-on named Michael McNeely, who is a walk-on defensive back, and they put him in as a holder on a field goal attempt. Georgia didn't spot it. They snapped the ball to him, and he picked it up and ran in the corner of the end zone for a touchdown. Michael McNeely was a senior. He was a med school student at Florida, and he was working at a Gainesville Publix part-time. <laughs> Which, by the way, great plug. This, yeah. this radio station is being brought to you by Publix. Yes. So well done, Gary uh, You know what? Great. Man. Sometimes we fall into uh, great situations here. Well, he, <laughs> he reported to work the next day. Nine o'clock wow. in the morning, the next day at the Publix in Gainesville, the uh, by that time word had spread and everything, and all his coworkers and the customers were waiting for him to get there. They had like a cake <laughs> for him. They broke into applause. The uh, media was there. Uh, where he, Michael McNeely was a conquering hero, coming back to Publix, put the apron on, and started bagging. That's you know? awesome. Yeah, got right back to so, work. So that was one of the that was one of the uh, uh, the great <laughs> moments of that. Uh, there, you know, and there have been uh, uh, quite a few. And recently, quite a few with the with the streaky side of the series, in the uh, uh, in the fact that one team will will run off five out of six, mm-hmm. three or four in a row, things like that. The uh, there haven't been all that many close games. There was a stretch from 2010 to 2013 uh, where we had some some close scores, but the overtime game obviously obviously sticks out. The Georgia Stomp, the one that's what the nineteen or the two thousand seven game, where Georgia had not won in a while, and Mark Rick, the coach at the time, wanted them to do something emotional if they scored first, and the players decided that the whole team would meet in the end zone after the touchdown, which was drew a whole lot of flags. Yeah, and that happened, and that was wound up being forty two thirty. So that was that was pretty doggone entertaining. Uh, there have been, uh, I, I mean, you know, I, the one thing I remember people tell me I wasn't at the one game was the eleven to ten game. Florida beat Georgia eleven to ten in seventy three, where they scored late touchdown and went for two, disdained the tie, and uh, uh, Florida had a quarterback named Don Gaffney, and they're running the wishbone. Uh, Think about that. Yeah, running yeah. The, running the wishbone and and threw the winning touchdown pass to a guy named Hank Foldberg. Uh, did he go back to work at Publix the next day? No, no. I don't think either one of them were working at Publix at that point. Uh, we had big stars back then here, so maybe they went to work back to work at the big star. There you go. Uh, the uh, But then the, the win place and show gold standard of all Florida Georgia games still remains the Lindsey Scott game in 1980. Mm. Uh, Florida had a 21 to 19 lead, and Georgia was backed up on, on, on its own seven-yard line. No timeouts left inside of a minute. And Buck Ballou throws this little inside slip screen, whatever, to Lindsey Scott. Mm-hmm. And and just a perfect storm. A couple of guys slipped. A couple of guys got blocked. 93 yards later, 
And as Larry Munson's call, the famous call, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott, Lindsey Scott. Mm-hmm. And Georgia wins that game 26-21. That's when Larry Munson, the longtime Georgia radio broadcaster, said they're going to be some damage in Sea Island tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Smith's a sports columnist from the Florida Times Union. We're talking Florida-Georgia football. The game is on Saturday at 3.30. How big is this game? Well, if you've never been here, it has its own Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? It's only once a year. How does the Florida Georgia football game have its own Hall of Fame? And well, what's the deal with that? I mean, uh, they they started it about uh, uh, I guess fifteen years ago, and they you know bowl games have their own Hall of Fame. Sure. So they play the bowl games once a year, right. and they usually it's a minimum of like uh, two two players from each side per year. It's always an equal number. Some years there's one per side, some years there's two, some years three, but they always make sure that it's equal. It's even, sure. And uh, it's, it's, it, it, it can be a coach, it can be an administrator who's uh, that the schools, the schools put in the nominations and I think the city council this, uh, the Jacksonville uh, Sports and Entertainment Board mm-hmm. makes the final decision. Uh, this year, they're all four of them going in are defensive players. I see that. Brad Culpepper and Brandon Spikes, and then Benny Curran and Jarvis Jones. Yeah, Jarvis Jones, who may have had one of the all-time monster Florida-Georgia games for a defensive player uh, uh, in his senior year. He... Uh, <coughs> Had like thirteen tackles and four sacks and forced to fumble and thing. And Jaguars have a player from Georgia named Aubrey Jones. Mm-hmm. And there are three Jaguar players who play for Georgia and three who play for Florida. We did a story on that today about how divided the locker room is. Mm. Uh, and I asked each one of them what their favorite Florida Georgia memory was. Aubrey Jones was so impressed by that game that Jarvis Jones had. They're not related. Mm-hmm. That. He named that his favorite Florida-Georgia game, and he was injured and did not play in that game. Wow. But he played in three other games, but that was his favorite Florida-Georgia memory. That's pretty was awesome. Was watching Jarvis. So that, that, that game made that kind of impression. By the way, there's a Hall of Fame induction ceremony that's going on today yeah. and all kinds of fun stuff like that. Is there an actual hall? And if so, where is it? Is well, it, it, it's in the uh, lobby of the, uh, the Memorial Coliseum. Okay. And uh, so, the, the, you know, there's, there's, there's plaques or a list yeah. of them there. And, you know, it, of course, it's a, a virtual online. Sure. Uh, so they, they get a little bit of a plaque and everything. But as far as a separate structure, that, that, that doesn't exist. But there is, a, there is a presence. The Florida Georgia Hall of Fame and then the Gator Bowl Hall of Fame is in, in the lobby of the uh, Coliseum. Awesome. Gary Smith, uh, sports columnist here at the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. I have to put you on the spot just like I have everybody else. What happens tomorrow? I think uh, one thing that's working in Florida's favor is that they get their two defensive ends back, uh, Jabari Zaninga sure. and Jonathan Greenard, who have been uh, hurt. And the last two games that George has won, Jake Fromm has been sacked one time. Right. He has hardly gotten his uniform dirty. And they've both been pretty one-sided games, and he's had he's had pretty good games in both those. So – for Florida, for Florida to have a chance in this game, they've got to get a pass rush. The good news is they're leading the SEC in sacks. Mm-hmm. They're also leading the SEC in interceptions. So Florida makes – I think Florida makes Jake Fromm a little bit more uncomfortable than he has been in this game in the past. He hasn't played his best so far this season. The, it's, it's not that he's playing worse than he is first two years, mm-hmm. but he hasn't kind of put the exclamation point right. to his career. And there was some talk about Jake Fromm uh, leaving after the season and going into the draft. At this point, I don't know if he's ready for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's had some, some mediocre games for him. Yep. 
And uh, I think Florida gets a pass rush on Jake Fromm, and I think they find a way to win this game and break Georgia's streak. And I'm looking to somewhere on the order of maybe 24 to 20. Awesome. Gary Smith, sports columnist and sports reporter, longtime sports reporter here at the Florida Times Union. Thanks so much, Gary. You're listening to Florida Georgia Radio. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.